podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's Friday night. It is the Anfield Rap. Neil Atkinson, John Gibbons and Ian Salmon with you right now. Coming up very, very soon, we're talking to Joe Curry and Heather Carroll about Liverpool ladies and the Spring Series and everything that's going on around that. Then we're talking to Sean Rogers about Liverpool's forthcoming game against Watford and we'll all come back together again at the end and have a lovely, lovely big chat about Liverpool's game against Watford, which has loomed on the horizon for far too long like a baddie in a superhero movie or something like that. Uh, Liverpool have been working towards Watford. There's been ups and downs. And John, it's not a... It's a season that's threatening to sort of to, to, to bubble away in one sense, but with so much riding on it the last four games, really, you think for the football club in general, they very much need to find their way through the next the next four games and get themselves ten points. Yeah, I think I think ten should be the aim. I think twelve, you the the one we're certain to do it. I even think nine's not the end of the world, but the problem if 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 they lose at Watford is I think it becomes quite hard to kind of bounce back and do three wins from that because you know there's other people start might, might start pulling away and things like that. So I think I think to to aim to go unbeaten I think should be the aim in terms of for, for morale in, in terms of momentum and a win on Monday it, it'd just be absolutely huge just to start that off it's going to become I think Ian it's going to all get a little edgy uh, I think it's fair yeah. to say across the board really because it's already felt a little bit like Liverpool and I don't think they quite did because I think if you look at the rate that Chelsea and subsequently Spurs have gone at I think it's 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 such a huge number of points and it's such a huge rate that I don't think Liverpool quite threw away a league a, a chance of, of hunting this league down. I think it was, you know, I, I don't think you can expect that of of a side. I think going to two points a game is a reasonable expectation, and, and occasionally, and you hope your side is one of those occasionally every two or three seasons to do better than that. So I don't think we necessarily need to feel as though Liverpool threw away the chance at uh, a league title, but it really would feel like Liverpool have thrown away finishing top four if they don't do it. Yeah, I, I think we we should have been closer to being in the mix than we are. I, the way we were, the way we were last time we played Watford when we were we we went top of the league that day. We looked convinced and we looked like a team who had real intent. And obviously, without recap, no evidence happened. We know kind of where we've gone astray on that, but we should have kept ourselves a lot closer to the mix. The other side of looking at it is, uh, I saw somebody on Twitter last night saying, obviously after the Manchester derby, the it's not in our hands anymore. The draw, and I, I was I was very much, I wanted the draw. The, the draw felt like a comfortable result to me. But they were saying that the draw means it's no longer in our hands because there are now three teams that can catch us. And they pointed out the United have been unbeaten for quite a while. They've got a great record away. But United are still below us. They still haven't caught us up. And they've got and, a very tough run. And they've got a very tough run. And the fact that they've been unbeaten means that there have been a lot of draws in their season. And... You can see them be, being capable of dropping more points. You can see them being capable of drawing again very easily because they don't look like a team that's actually threatening that many people. For surety, we need the 12 points, but I think 10 points could see us there. But that top four is is essential. That's It's a great leap up from last season. You, you can't argue about the fact that if at the end of last season, I said, people said, like, look, you'll be secure in the top four at the end of the season. You'd have taken that as your minimum. The fact that we thought, well, I certainly thought that we could win the league means it's been a disappointing season. But top four, so that we got Champions League for the second time only in about a decade, means that we've actually, we've built, and it, it gets us the players that we want to get for next season. Then. Yeah, it's definitely progress, and I think everyone would see it like that, especially as it's going to take quite a decent points total for us to get there, really. I mean, if you, you know, you're talking 76 points in terms of do what you do, I mean, that's that's a high 
that's a high number to, to to be to be scraping for for you to be just about kind of getting there. And so I think I think you'd have to say you know on on the balance of everything that is kind of real progress. And noticed Klopp was talking about his the in the press conference today he was talking about. He was asked about squad size and he said, we, we very much built a squad for this season. And I think that's the clearest indication yet that in Europe next season, the squad's going to be much bigger. And, yeah. and you know, if, if it's the Champions League, then it, you, you can just get a slightly higher quality of player or maybe it's if it's, it's the difference between getting four really good ones instead of three. And I'm sure there's, there's, there's players who they've got their eye on and they're hoping they can get whether, you know, regardless of, of which tournament they're, they're in. But it just might mean you convince another one. You know, if you're kind of in the Champions League or whatever, so it's it is important for what we can do next season, both in terms of you know Champions League, which we'd all look forward to and be great, and in terms of the league campaign as well. It's noticeable uh, today. It's been announced that uh, Lovren signed signed a new deal, um, which keeps him at the club until 2021. Ian, and I think the other thing when you are looking at this, the, the summer is what Liverpool don't want to get themselves into, and I think Lovren's an extreme example. I think he'd be he'd sign a deal regardless, but it is also being able to call your own shots in terms of who leaves. I think this is, you know, one of the key things to take, I think, from Tottenham's season is that it's very easy to criticise both Tottenham's summer and it's even easier to criticise Tottenham's January if you're, if you're talking about clubs that haven't done business. But Tottenham have but battled through with last season's players. And yeah. A few of those who, for instance, didn't look quite as good last season have looked better this, whereas the signings that they made last summer, for instance, Soko and Janssen, have done absolutely nothing really for Tottenham in general. But they've, they've, they've kept going because that, that manager and those players have been working together for as long as they have without disruption. Yeah, and if you, know, if you compare our two transfer windows across the entire year for both teams, you would look and go, we've, we've had the better transfer window, obviously. Yeah. But... People aren't necessarily seeing it that way. It's why didn't you invest in January? Why didn't why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? It's very much well. Yeah, I was sitting next to a lad at the game uh, last weekend, whose take on it was, it's the owners they won't spend any money. It's like, well, somebody went into Real Madrid with a fifty million euro offer for Asensio. You know, the people are actually they're, they're looking at doing the business. It doesn't mean we're going to get everyone, but it means that they're doing the business. Now, if Spurs were sitting in our position, people would be complete. Spurs fans would be complaining bitterly about the lack of business he's on. But they have had that year extra of working with Pochettino, of bedding in as a team, of bedding in as a squad. And as John was saying, it's, it's clear that from what he said at the press conference today, he's built this squad for this season. He's looked and gone, I want 17 players. And he very much did at the beginning of the season say that he wanted a squad to compete for this season. He wanted a tightly knit squad. And no one could predict the injuries that we've had at that point. So anyone who went in and went, I want 24 first team squad players, it would have looked ludicrous where you've only you've only got the domestic cups and the league to challenge on. You don't need a squad that size. How are you going to keep them happy? <clears throat> Probably would have worked great in retrospect. Hmm. Well, I think, but I think on that though, John, I think the other thing that the manager may well have realised a little bit more in amongst his own sort of training is the word and say that this takes. I mean, Ian says there you couldn't have guessed. Well, I think you can on a couple of them, and and it is. I think that what one of the things that, for instance, having European football actually does is it gives you insurance policies, whether even if it's Europa League, but I think in general, having those extra games actually gives you insurance policies across the course of the season, which is something that I I think from where I'm sat, we've looked at times as though we lack, we've lack we lacked. Yeah, I think so. And I think, I mean, it's got to remember the, 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 the January period where, where which, is, which is a real tough one and... and you know, it's 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 that bad month, isn't it? And you think, well, who could we have had then, and who could who could we have done well? I think there was a couple he was expecting more of, and I think that's 
you know, something that, that needs to be pointed out as well. I think he, you know, Storage in Origi, for example, I think he was expecting much bigger seasons from. So you can talk about injuries and things like that. But I think there's just maybe a few who he thought, you know, Joe Gomez, I think he, he thought he'd, he'd be using more than, than he has been able to for a variety of reasons. Maybe he had... He liked Albi Moreno more last last summer than he does this, and so I think this. I think it's 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 not just been the injuries. I think there's a couple of players who we thought, well, they'll they'll be good for twenty games for me, and they'll contribute to who haven't for for one yeah. reason or another contributed to the way. So that that's learning about your players, and it is his first full season. But I think it's interesting what Ian says about Pochettino there about working with him because I was just thinking while he was saying, and there's very few of our players who you wouldn't expect to be better next season than they were this, like even someone like Mane. You'd yeah. expect him to, to kick on again next year because he's a year older and because he's been at the club and got that greater understanding of his teammates and, and what the manager wants from him. So I think sometimes you can obsess over signings and look, we need more players and we need quality. But you know, those a lot of the, a lot of his teammates, a lot of the team, you know, the teammates of, of these new players, I think I think are going to be better next season anyway. It and, is Go sorry, and, and the understanding between the teammates who are already at a high level because how many times have we actually managed to put Mane, Lalana, Coutinho, and Firmino on the field at the same time? But you'd also feel as though a couple of players have actually been able to use this the, the opportunities here to find the way a little bit. For instance, although he wasn't great against Palace, Emre Chan, yes, yeah. you know, he's had a nice he's, he's had a nice run where he's been able to step up. He's had, he's had a good spell last last month or so. But it's all dependent on getting the results that we're talking about here, and this is where you know, John, it's uh, it's it's. I mean, let's 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 accentuate the massive positive of the week. It's it it's it's a lovely kit. <laughs> it is a it's a kit that wins trophies. It's a delightful kit. I, mean, I think they're going to wear it against Middlesbrough, aren't they? And there's another positive because Middlesbrough have packed in. So uh, you know that's that's a it's, it's a nice team to kind of be playing there, and it's it's funny you look at these games and you think about well who's a good team to play, and I sort of looked at Watford and, and thought well they've got nothing to play for, but they're actually in decent form. They've won three games in April and three homes, not conceded a goal. Yeah, but they got they did get walloped at Tottenham, and you just wonder whether you know that that extra bit of quality that hopefully we should have you know could could have conceded them because Tottenham absolutely took them to the cleanest. They won four 0 but they could have they could have doubled it, and they're playing better than us at the moment. I just worry a little bit that our creativity has gone a little bit at the moment in terms of the chances we're creating and things like that. But that's where someone like Lallana will help. It's just an extra body who's getting forward from midfield and an extra person who's who's able to put the ball in the back of the net as well. Should we ever talk about Lallana later? Yeah, should we disappear? off now and speak to Heather Carroll and Joe Curry about Liverpool ladies that's coming up after the break and then not long after that I'll be talking to Sean Rogers about uh, Liverpool coming up against Watford and exactly how a dressing room works in this sort of scenario when you've seen everybody else play not once but twice this is the Anfield Rap on Radio City Talk don't go anywhere we'll be back in a second Welcome back to the Anfield Wrap on Radio City Talk. In a minute or two, we're going to be over, well, after seven o'clock, more accurately talking to Sean Rogers about uh, Liverpool against Watford and what exactly you do in that sort of dressing room once all the games have been played. But before then, really, really excited. Uh, in fact, I'm going to let Heather do the full introduction, really, because she sorted this one out for us, and it's very much her show. Heather covers Heather Carroll covers Liverpool ladies with us. So, Heather, do you want to uh, do you want to say who we've got joining us? Yeah, we've, joining us today, we've got Joe Curry, who covers uh, women's football for BBC. Um, good afternoon both hello <laughs> good afternoon joe and let's talk through the, the spring series you know as a concept first and foremost it's it's become this really nice little opportunity to showcase the women's game before the before the summer tournament and then sort of reconfigure the the the, the, the schedule along sort of more traditional lines next season but it's a it's a great showcase isn't it for, for these sides in quite quick succession without the big gaps between games so it's for people to get down and see some women's football if you if you miss one match it's fine there'll be another one along in a minute 
Yeah, it's, it's a one-off competition. So whoever wins this trophy, whichever club, they're going to be the only people ever to win this trophy, which is very nice. So it's it's like a little mini-series. All the clubs only play each other once. So if you play a club at home, you won't play them away and, and vice versa. And the idea is that as the spring series, the main spring series, moves from the summer league through to winter league, there's going to be more or less a year with no football. So they decided to come up with this this sort of two-month or three-month long season with this mini league called the Spring Series. And yeah, it's a great opportunity um, to, to sort of blood in some young new players. And it also means that the players that will be going to the Euros uh, in the summer with England also get to keep fit ahead of that as well. Yeah, it's uh, Scott Rogers has said he's going to use the Spring Series to, you know, introduce a few young players into the side. And we've seen that at Liverpool with Ali Johnson played, you know, 120 minutes against Everton in the FA Cup. And then just at the weekend, young Amy Rogers, 16 years old, made their debut against Yeovil. Do you think that this is going to help those young players, Joe? In terms of, you know, it's it it, it because there's no relegation, and so I'm, I'm thinking more. Obviously, we'll come on to Manchester City and Chelsea in a second or two. But for sides, for instance, Liverpool last season finished a solid mid-table. Is this a huge bonus then for these managers to be able to look in a properly competitive setting at a lot of women between the ages of say eighteen and twenty-two, give them opportunities, but without the risks attendant to that in a normal league season? I think you've pretty much. Uh, hit the nail on the head there. It's, it's a fantastic opportunity for players and for managers because, as you say, because there's no relegation, you know, well, no one certainly wants to finish bottom or you know towards bottom of of the spring series. If they do, it's not the end of the world. It's almost like a free hit for the managers. They can try and thing out. They can try out new players, young ones coming through, and they can also try out new formations. They can try out new set pieces. And so, as I say, it's kind of like a free hit that they've got. So it's a brilliant opportunity, and it'll be interesting to see which managers do take the opportunity to bring in some of the youngsters. And in general as well, the other thing to point out is, for instance, sides who are in the series at the top flight, for instance, like Bristol Rovers, Reading to a certain extent, Yeovil Town, they also get the opportunity to get a bit of a trial run going into next season. You know, Instead of the more established sides, they can actually test themselves up against there and maybe work out where the weaknesses are because it's been noticeable in the last couple of campaigns. A lot of the sides that have come up have, have found it a little bit tougher than, you know, it's, it's felt like a, a fair leap at times from the, from the top of the second flight into the top flight. Yeah, from a recruitment point of view, it, it's a great opportunity for them to sort of see where they're at with things. You say for the clubs coming up in previous years, I think with the exception of Sunderland in that first season they had, which was amazing, all the other clubs have really struggled. So that means they can go out, they can use the players they've got now, at the end of the season reevaluate and say, actually, do you know what, we struggled at that position or we struggled trying to score some goals, let's try and bring in some new players. But for the, for the young players that are going to take part in this series, and Liverpool have got several that I know Scott Rogers is keen to use, which is great, they're going to be coming up against the likes of Carly Lloyd, Heather O'Reilly, Crystal Dunn, just to name a few of these international superstars that are now playing in WFL. And they're not going to get this opportunity again. And I just, so I just think the spring series from start to finish is really exciting. Yeah, I completely agree as well. You know, at the weekend, I went to watch uh, Bristol take on Reading before we stayed over in Bristol, like before we went down to Yeovil. Yeah. Uh, went to that game and Bristol had a very young team out. You know, they had one of our ex-Liverpool players playing there, which is what I went down to watch for. But... It's a very young team, so for them to come up against and test themselves against these big teams, as you said, you know, you can see where the weaknesses are and where you do need to improve. And on all that, Joe, to pull it all together, there you mentioned you mentioned Carly Lloyd. There, it's been a massive move. You know, it's a big positive. We'll come on to the Notts County thing in a second, but the big positive for the the series before it starts has been, you know, Carly Lloyd's involvement and the fact that you know to get a renowned sort of superstar of the women's game playing in this series. It's it's a great coup for Manchester City and it's it's something that, again, every, every player, therefore, will be looking forward to that game and can measure themselves up against her. 
Yeah, I mean, when I heard the rumours, and it was a rumour at that point, that Manchester City were interested in, in signing Carly Lloyd, it was just one of those moments where you're like, wow, this could change everything. Because what it says about, what well, it says a lot about Manchester City, but it says a huge amount about the league, about the WSL, about the Spring Series itself. To be able to get a, a player of Carly Lloyd's calibre to come to England, even for the short amount of time she's here, it just shows you how much this league has improved over the last two years. And, you know, it comes at a time when she's one of three US players coming over here, which I never thought would happen. And I don't think it'll be the last we see of them either. And I, I think we're going to see more and more international players, maybe not just US players, but other players mm. coming into the WSL clubs as well as the next few seasons. Yeah. To go the other end of the spectrum, though, there was the 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 sad decision by Notts County to fold up the women's side. So just a couple of days before that, this, this series begins, began. Sorry, it's it shows again that there's in in, in a few strange ways how the sort of the, the 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 patchwork way in which the game's growing across the country, and the fact that there are still a couple of sides that are in danger of this sort of thing. That whilst Manchester City are very very committed indeed, and fair play to them for it towards the towards the development and the growth of the women's game. For instance, then their neighbours still haven't got a side. What happened to Notts County is you know it's. Uh, it's 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 a genuinely sad thing to have happened. Really, I'd, I'd even argue it's perhaps not had the full coverage that it deserves. That's you know to 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 close aside a couple of days before a big a big tournament like this one is is it's it's genuinely sad and it's very very difficult for the players, the women whose livelihoods dependent on it as well. Yeah, there was a lot of anger from the players um, about the way the situation was handled. They found out at eleven o'clock that morning that they effectively had no club, had no team, had no job. And then it, it was made public literally minutes later. And to do it on the eve of the Spring Series and two days before they were due to play their first match, it's just heartbreaking because it didn't give any of the players any time to get themselves sorted properly. And, you know, this is people's livelihood. This is their jobs. And actually, some of them, their accommodation is paid for by the club as well. Yeah. So it's not just the job. It's also their home, which is pretty scary. And yeah, there is a bit of a gulf in the WSL one forming, and it's been coming over the last few years. You have got, you know, teams at the top, um, Arsenal, Chelsea, Manchester City, and I'll put Liverpool in that bracket as well, who have really taken women's football, you know, given it a really good go, invested in it, and it's terrific to see. But then you do see teams at the bottom, um, and over the last few seasons, teams who don't have big Premier League teams behind them have really struggled. So there is a bit of a gulf, but I don't think we should look at the big teams and say, it's not fair, they've got all this money. I think we should look at them and, and praise them for investing in this money. But it is causing problems, I think, and this gulf in the WSL1 is causing problems. And I think that could, if, if a very strict salary cap isn't put in place in the next couple of seasons, then I think we could see more teams struggle if they don't have that big financial backing behind them. You mentioned there that Liverpool are are one of the big players in the league, and and Heather, you 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 were at Liverpool as they got the results in the first game of the season against Yeovil. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alec Greenwood, I believe, stood out. That Liverpool yeah. really played very well, very well. It's a good four-one win away from home. I mean, this is a given the way, the nature of this series. Obviously, who you get at home and who you get away and how you get on in those games is going to make a big, big difference for Liverpool to have got a, a solid four-one in the first away game of the season. If it, it puts them at a serious advantage, looking at the rest of the tournament. It does. It, it was a good way to, to start off. I think, you know, obviously, if you look at the quality that Yeovil have got over their squad compared to Liverpool, it is a game that you would expect us to go and win. But we still had to go there, get the three points, you know, um, needed the penalty to get the opening goal. But then after that, it was, you know, the goals were flying in. Um, but it was, it was an interesting game to watch. You know, we were, we were cutting them up all over the place uh, in defence. And it's a good confidence booster, I think, going into the rest of the, the spring series to get those four goals. 
you know, on the on the sheet already and uh, going into the next game against Redden tomorrow. Yeah, Liverpool are playing against Reading as this sort of show goes out, so it's difficult for people to get in. But there's tons and tons of games uh, coming up between now and the end of uh, and the end of June, uh, rattling right the way through the entirety of the, well, the start of June. Sorry, rattling right the way through the campaign. There's lots of opportunities to watch Liverpool ladies in May uh, coming up. Uh, they play um, the last game of the season, for instance, on Saturday the third of June at home against Manchester City. And Joe, Manchester City are very much going to be the team to beat in this one. And you know, there's every chance that one of sort of, I think, you expect Manchester City or Chelsea to be slugging out, but there's every chance that one of Arsenal and Liverpool can take it all away with them. And, and that would also be good for the competition in general, so that the, even that, that the gap between the top two doesn't stretch too much over third and fourth as well. Yeah, I think I think it's hard to deny that City probably will go in there as pretty strong favourites, having won the league last year and the Continental Cup, having reached the FA Cup final, having done so well in the Champions League, etc., etc. But... With it being such a short league and with the teams only playing each other once, you can throw everything at it. And so I think that because it, it's a shorter league and it, things come around so much more quickly, there's, there's less gaps between the games. I think it's a great time for teams to have a real go at City and Chelsea and the other teams at the top. And just the, the squad that Liverpool have assembled this season, you know, Scott Rogers has done an incredible job since coming in. I think he brought in 11 new players last year or somewhere mm-hmm. in that region. He's brought his players in. He's got them to gel so quickly. Liverpool are definitely one of those teams that the players are really together, not just on the pitch, but off it. And I'm excited to see what Liverpool can do this season. The fact he's brought in Casey Stoney and Jeff Clark, they're England mm. internationals. Laura Coombs has come back on a permanent deal. You know, she's got an England cap under her belt. He's brought in experienced players. And I'm, I'm yeah, I think Liverpool can give it a really good go this, this season. Just to run through the uh, the, the the flat uh, fact, as I said before, this this show be uh, going out at the t- around the time Liverpool ladies are about to kick off against Reading at the Select Stadium. Uh, then Liverpool, not long afterwards, go to Arsenal ladies to play the Hive, uh, and then they go to uh, St Andrews Stadium to play Birmingham City ladies as well. On the seventeenth of May at uh, seven pm, Liverpool are at home to Sunderland. Sunderland are a very entertaining outfit, as are the Reds. It should be a good a good game that one. Uh, and then Bristol City women, uh, they play them away from home on the twentieth of May, and on the twenty eighth of May. They go to Chelsea, and then on the 3rd of June, the final game, as I said before, against Manchester City women there. I mean, Liverpool have ended up there with only three home games because they're not a county situation, uh, Heather. But there's, you know, many of those games you would actually go into, whether it's home or away with Liverpool as favourites, and you you, you get the impression that the the deciding games here will be the Arsenal away, the Chelsea away, and the Manchester City at home. Definitely, and, you know, Arsenal away is always a game that we always seem to do actually really well in. You know, last year we won, I think, 3-1 there. The season before we 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 drew three all, so I think Arsenal away is one that we can go and win, go and win. And um, you know, looking at Chelsea and Arsenal, they have had a lot of injuries in the run up to the spring series, so they're looking a little bit thin on paper in their squads. Whereas now with us signing Jess Clark and Lord Coombs, we're looking a little bit stronger on paper now. Uh, just in general, just to begin to close it off, Joe. There's a lot. I what the thing that strikes me whenever I get get along to a women's game, and I don't get to anywhere near enough of them. But is the 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 warmth and openness towards the spectators who are coming? Really, there's a real desire amongst everybody, uh, especially the players, to promote the game, to get other uh, young women and girls playing, uh, and to in general sort of just uh, be be mildly inspirational. And I mean that not in a not in a complex banging in volleys from twenty five yards mm-hmm. way, but being sort of you know warm characters and towards the the, the growth of the sport. It it's, it does make quite a refreshing change at at times uh, from the way in which a lot of other sort of leagues run themselves. Yeah, it's, it's much more of a family atmosphere than you find at the majority of men's matches. And I think that's really appealing to parents who want to bring youngsters along because you don't get the abuse from the fans. There's, there's not the play acting on the pitch. There's, 
there's no violence on the pitch. And if so, for young I've girls, seen some elbows well, thrown, Joe. Don't you start me on that. I'm not having. Yeah, that's the one I'm not having. I wouldn't say there's no violence, but there's, I'd say there's probably less. I've um, seen Becky say, Easton tackle. <laughs> that's a very good point, to be fair. She, she used to come in like a wrecking ball. That one. Um, but for for young girls and for parents with young children who want to maybe get their kids interested in football, it's great to bring them along. They can watch really good quality football in a safe, friendly environment. And for the young girls as well, what's great, and well, for young boys as well, is that at the end of most matches, and the Liverpool players are very, very good at this, is coming over to the fans, saying thank you, taking selfies, getting autographs. And a lot of these players are international stars. Yeah. You now, Casey Stone is a former England captain. So for young players to be able to get her autograph, her photo, what more could you want to get them interested in football? Indeed. Huge thank you to Heather and Joe taking the time out today to speak to us about Liverpool, ladies. Uh, we'll be keeping you abreast of everything that's going. Just a little shout-out as well for the Zoe Tynan tournament, uh, which will be taking place on Saturday, May the 20th at Walton Hall Avenue. Uh, you can register at 9.30 and kick off at 10 a.m. We'll be talking more about that in the weeks to come. It's under, under 10s and under 12, 7 aside tournament. Uh, that one, uh, I say, Saturday, May the 20th for that. Uh, this is the Anfield Rap on Radio City Talk just after 7 o'clock. I'll be speaking to Sean Rogers about Liverpool's trip to Watford. Welcome back to the Anfield Rap on Radio City Talk. In a second, we're going to go over to Sean Rogers, but just want to give a little mention to Satan Snods this weekend on City Talk. It will be the absolute business as ever. Ian St. John and Ian Snowden uh, working through everything they've done. Has Battle of the Maze been boxed off yet? I mean, it's, 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 it tends to... People take it very seriously, John. So, you it's know, an ongoing thing. It'll never end. It'll never end. Say was looking good, wasn't he, on the uh, Liverpool kit launch? Looking he was fabulous. looking terrific, yeah. Oh, great to see. Good say. on him. Yeah, More great to, to see. as well. Oh, St. Yeah. John turned up your house with a shirt. He was all right. I want to be friends with that old fella. Absolutely. Either of them. Uh, and always good to speak to you. Here from Ian Snowden as well, who could well be our favourite ex-Evertonian. Although there's a lot to be said for Sharp. He bounces around the place. got a lovely word for everybody. Listen, uh, I had to run out on location to speak to Sean Rogers this week to find out what he thinks of Liverpool going to Watford. Normally, I'm more interested in what Sean thinks of the opposition, but this week, given all the fact that the amount of games that have been played, I wanted to get into his head about how a dressing room, how he feels a dressing room functions when they've had to watch and know how everybody else got on. This is what he had to say. On location with Sean Rogers this week for City Talks, have a little chat about uh, Watford versus Liverpool, and I want to what I want to talk to you about Sean. Having been in the position of at both ends of the table in the time that you've spent working with clubs, I want to talk about this playing last thing. It's a big weekend this for Liverpool in terms of playing last. It's not just playing last on the Sunday when you're in the game mode come kickoff time. Everybody, everybody connected to Liverpool will have watched not just Manchester United, Manchester City, Arsenal. If you want to throw Tottenham in there, fine. They won't just watch these sides play once. They'll actually now watch them play twice by the time Liverpool kick off against um, against Watford. And what does that do in a dressing room? What does that do to the mentality of the players knowing what these other sides have done? Whether they've watched them or just got the results, what does that actually do first and foremost? It's really it's really difficult. I mean, the only experience I've got of it is we've had a few, particularly in Wales, you have Friday night games and then the Saturdays. And obviously the bigger ones are midweek where yeah. you're playing Wednesday and you know the results of the Tuesday night fixtures. Um, now the problem you've got is, a, as an education piece, I think it relies on the senior players in your dressing room, and then I think it relies on experience, whether that experience was good or bad. As long as you learn and understand that, you haven't got a problem. I mean, what we tried to do, whether it... I mean, look, we, you could argue we were successful on it. We, we won a league title, and then when we were at the wrong end of the table, like we were fine both seasons. What we tried to say is, look... It's all very well and good looking at the league table and looking at the results. But if the opposition that are our rivals drop points, we we want to win because we've got we've got the chance to gain. Yeah. And if they win, we need to win. 
So really, it doesn't change. Don't worry too much about what happens with them. And whether whichever end of the table you're at, if you're down the bottom, you're like, don't worry, there'll be surprise results. So don't lose your head in, in a Premier League context. Don't lose your head because Palace win at Chelsea. They're as liable to lose at home to West Brom yep. the following week. And so don't, you can't let your emotions ride on that. You've just got to try and focus on your job and say, well, whatever they do, we want to win. And what you try and do is say, just because you really want to win doesn't mean it's going to happen. I really want to win the lottery, Liam. Like, you've got no idea how desperate <laughs> I am. So other than going and buying a million tickets, which I haven't got the money to do, yeah. like, I'm desperate to win the lottery. But unfortunately, it doesn't impact on my chances of winning the lottery. This is even worse than, than a mad analogy like that, in that desperately wanting to win is de- is detrimental. It's like anything, there's got to be a balance. And if you're that desperate to win, you're not going to do the things and focus on doing the things right, like a bit of a jigsaw puzzle that piece everything together, which ends in that result. So you kind of got to say, well, you know, look, let's start the game with the view we're going to play well. Yeah, and focus on playing well. And nine times out of ten, or in this running, we'll get the results. If it's not going well, look, we we just fight minute by minute without getting all Al Pacino on it. It is it is a bit like inches in. The, just focus on the next throw in lads. If it's not, it's normally a half time talk that really. Look, it's not been a good day. This or we're not at the races. We just have to win our battles. And if that we just forget, forget scoreline pressure or time pressure, that's always a bit of a drama. Because um, that's hard. Last twenty minutes, thirty minutes. How do you influence things? Even as players, it's hard to influence that last 20, 30, 30 minutes unless you're going to do an Ericsson and put one in from twenty five yards out, which again w- would be nice on Monday. Um, it's it's not an easy one. And, and even if you you can educate the players and think that you've you've got lots of nodding faces and they say all the right things, <laughs> but when they're in the little clicks. And when they're walking on the pitch pre-match and, you know, understandably you're going to keep your distance, you never quite know. You're looking for feedback from your, from your leaders, uh, from your senior players. I think, I think lucky for Liverpool, um, they've, they've got a number of players in there that, that have been in runnings and been under that kind of pressure, even when it's gone wrong and even when it's gone right. And it's, it's, it's about trying to just get a grip of that and remind players. On the, the, the game against Watford, one of the things that struck me with the game against Palace, and I don't know whether it was tactically smart by Palace or just the way the game went, Liverpool's good wins against the middling teams recently have come in what you can call battles. They had to battle to beat Burnley. They had to battle to beat Stoke. They had to, West Brom, turn everything into a battle. Whereas the thing I took from the Palace game was there wasn't actually a battle anywhere on the pitch. It was very difficult to almost work out to even matching men up at times. You know, I think that, for instance, Klein and Zaha got into it a bit. But you'd expect that. That's winger versus fullback. What I mean is middle of the park stuff. And my worry as a Liverpool supporter going into the game against Watford is we almost need that tempo. For whatever yeah. reason, the lads we've got, we're struggling to set a tempo. Whereas if the opposition play at a tempo, we've broadly speaking responded this season. And I'm just sort of wondering with this, with Watford season, they're now on 40 points. But it's Monday night. The fans will, want us, will, be, will be sent in blood. Can they, you know, can they leave one on Liverpool? Liverpool almost need Watford. What I'm saying is, Liverpool almost need Watford to come to the party big time and look, and look yeah. to play a game of football. When we when we did the review show, um, I reference I heard your comments on the on the on, on on the main show, the main show, the the review show from from the weekend, and I thought you were dead right. You you, you were talking about that and alluding to that, and I thought that was absolutely spot on. And the, and the way I expanded on that a little bit, and I do like my boxing analogies, but I do think this this is a good one in that you know, if you imagine a boxer. And, and I'm really het up and I want to knock your head off. And I'm really up for I've got a lot on the line. But I go in the ring and you dance for two rounds. 
and you're moving, you're not interested in engaging me, you don't yep. land a glove on me. It's really hard to have the same level of intensity, aggression and hunger round three when the bell goes as what I had in the first 20 seconds of round one. With the, you could have chats about it, I could have chats in between rounds on it, but if I've got someone who's not engaged, now on the other hand, just human nature, if you are landing a glove on me, if you are swinging, if I am getting hit, yeah. then I can sort of maintain the my um, my intention from the outset, if you like, it continues. And I think you're spot on with what you say. Is that is that I think it mainly affected our midfield, um, and to a lesser extent, I think you can even maybe see with Lovren's mistake with Kabayi. There's maybe a bit of that in the centre halves that maybe those five players, the two centre halves and the three midfielders, were just looking to engage in front foot battles. And this was unfortunately it was a bit more cat and mouse, and it didn't suit. Um, I would it'd be interesting for Watford. Do they look at the Palace game and go, "That's your blueprint," yeah. and then we adopt that. I could, I, that wouldn't surprise me, but at the same time, can I understand them going? Look, you know, big game, crowd's going to be behind us. We can really get stuck into these first ten, even if it's only first ten. We can go, and I agree with you that what well, might live to regret this. They have a big ten and go two 0 up, and then. But I actually think it should suit us more if they come out and try and have a right good go. Worth well, pointing out their last three homes, the one and the one without conceded, uh, they beat Swansea one nil, uh, West Brom two nil, and Sunderland one nil. Now it's. They aren't the strongest sides in the world, but this therefore suggests there's a home record that where where they're gonna try and you know they've got something to do if you know what I mean. It's not just as it's not just playing dead here. The, the away games they had in April, they lost away at Hull and they lost away at Spurs. They're not a good side, but they're not a bad side, and it's and it's it's a really it's, difficult balance that though you know because it's a, it's a difficult balance because even I, I even I've experienced this. You can you can have a run of games like that, and you can maybe we always talk about complacency from the top of the table. We'll say Liverpool have been complacent at home to insert you know a club name. When you've got that little run of games on, um, you're looking forward to the game. But especially when you've seen Liverpool get beat at home to Palace and some of the other little difficulties we've had, is it quite the same playing Liverpool as if this was Jurgen Klopp first day of the season, second day of the season when they haven't got that run behind them and yeah. they haven't seen some of our deficiencies? And I don't. It's a. It's, they've got the confidence and they've got that run and that momentum. But at the same time, um, we are a very. You know, we'd have to be a very, very poor to be performing at the level of what some of those teams have performed at Watford. And I think, look, Watford have done well. Um, I didn't see all of those games, but I mean, you know, you look at some of the form the Swansea have been in this season. They would. They would have been really disappointed by the, by the way that the game ended up panning out that day. So I think. It'd be interesting. It's really difficult to even try and predict, which probably isn't helpful for this show. I think the first 20 minutes, it's going to be really interesting. Enough to have. It wouldn't surprise me if it's Hammer and Tong. It wouldn't surprise me if both teams are quite withdrawn and looking more of it as a, as a second-half battle. Well, on that, then, I think the other thing that strikes me about Watford as well is throughout the season... When certain managers, even when managers have moved around, you've been able to broadly speak and say, this is how Team X play. This is how their manager plays. One of the things about Matsari, which is interesting, it's been interesting all the way through the campaign, I speak regularly to a Watford supporter called Bradley Hayden as part of our 50-50 shows, and, and he's interested in Bradley in that he, he still couldn't tell, he couldn't sit here now and tell you how, how Watford play. Mm-hmm. Because they play different shapes. Sometimes it's three, sometimes it's four. They've played. They've, they've had different approaches. They have different levels of intensity. They are a really difficult side for Liverpool's technical team to sort of be able to sit down with the Liverpool manager and say, 
this is this is what you can what you can expect. I don't think there's a straightforward answer to that one really. I think it becomes instead Liverpool focusing on what Liverpool do and almost solving problems as they go. Yeah, I think that probably suits us, and I think it suits our manager. I mean, you look at the record that we've got. Um, top of the table and bottom of the table you maybe wouldn't think that's the case but I think it's probably suited to our managers to say look you've got to pay these guys with respect there's a couple of things that they can do there's a couple of players we've got to watch and our intensity's got to write and blah 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 when we've got someone where it's kind of look these aren't a problem today it's all about us I don't think necessarily that's the problem but I think a hybrid situation suits and I think we've kind of got that hybrid here where um you know, if we just if we'd have won three four nil last week, yes, we'd have all been buzzing. But I don't think I don't think the Liverpool players are going in with anywhere near. Not just the fear of Watford, the fear of Champions League, the fear of the points. Mm. They've got that pressure, and I think if you can channel that in the right way, then I think this might be a perfect a perfect game for Klopp to prepare for. With I think he likes to prepare on probably 70 percent. This is what we do, boys. There's a 20-30 percent respect level. So. I, I think that'll probably work quite well that they don't quite know what's coming. Might work to our advantage. Last thing to sort of point out is there's talk of Arnold get himself back close. It, I think he'd have a huge positive impact. It being Monday night's actually a positive there for Liverpool. If he needs an extra couple of days from the weekend, he's going to get them. Um, you'd expect if Lallana's fit, given what we actually saw against uh, Crystal Palace in terms of being able to set a tempo, picky moments, all that sort of stuff. I think we'd expect Lallana to start. Do um, you think he might use the three? Uh, well, use Lallana in the front three. No, I'm th- I mean, I think he'd probably have Lallana on the bench, but I'm more thinking, do you think he might revert to the back three? I think that might depend on who he's got fit and available. And I, I, I think that's a difficult one for him at the moment. I, yeah. I'm more thinking, I think he was scarred by West Brom at home last year a little bit. And we can see that he, he even though we played Lucas, I think he did change things. He played a kind of hybrid system away at yeah. West Brom. Watford, what, Watford isn't full of happy memories, really. No. Um, and even though they're, they're not always playing like that, we did we got very badly bullied there last year. I don't know. I just want. I know. I, I think Lallana will be bench. I, I think he'll be tempted at a three. I think he might go with what we actually saw at West Brom. I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if he goes very similar to West Brom. You say the hybrid three there with Lucas coming in and out. I think he might well see that. The thing that would not surprise me though, it would not surprise me if he actually goes with Lallana in the front three. And he plays almost a four-three-three with Lucas interchanging into turn it into a back three. Think, the three midfielders, Lalana maybe off the right, yeah. and just doing a little bit. I think he's desperate. To, yeah, agreed. I think if Lalana does start, I agree with you. That's where he starts because I think he's going to be desperate to get Firmino back central, and that's the only way he can do it. Okay, uh, thank you very much to Sean Rogers. Uh, we will get back more uh, with the, the Anfield Rap on Radio City talk in just a second. Always good to hear from Sean Rogers. Back with John and Ian in a minute or two. But before then, these lightning seeds, the life of Riley. Just means goals, doesn't it, really, if we're honest. The lightning seeds there with the life of Riley. Uh, Benito Carboni steering it into the far <laughs> corner with a lovely touch. Um, now, all of that, you know what all of that was Jason like. Jason Ewell's got more goals than you think this season. Jason Ewell has got more goals than you think this season. Yet again, he's turned up with a solid 13. Uh, and it's only the end of April. <laughs> Imagine the numbers he ends up with. Uh, yes, indeed, the life of Riley there with the lightning seeds, which always only means one thing. Uh, we saw the lightning seeds recently at Aintree. They were great. Uh, oh, yeah. really, did, all, did all the hits. It's one of Honestly, one of the greatest bookings anyone's ever made. The great six pint band. Yeah, they were fantastic. If you've already had six pints, yeah. and to so you got most of the commentary, you could hear everyone going was, "Oh, I know this one as well." <laughs> um, do you oh. know it? Do you know who plays guitar for the Lightning Seeds? Riley, 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 Riley yeah. plays on Genius. the bass. And they've got Abby from the Zootons on uh, yeah, sax. sax, on sax, sax and keys. 
um, back and vocals. Now, great to see. If you get the opportunity to see the lightning seed, <laughs> and you've <laughs> had six pints, um, it's probably the best thing you can do after those six pints. Uh, we've got to talk about Liverpool going to Watford, even though it does actually feel like it's so long away. And you know, John, as I was talking to Sean there about footballers aren't stupid; they know more about the game than we do, and they, you know they'll know what the weekend's results mean and all of that sort of stuff. It'll be as much as it's all we can think about. It'll be all that they can think about as well. They've got this task to deliver on this season. But the positive, when I say that footballers aren't stupid, is that they also will hopefully be able to look at a bench one way or another this weekend and see that the Liverpool manager's got options to change it and so won't all feel the 11 who get picked, won't all feel as though they've got to get a 90-minute performance out of themselves. And if they don't, there's a 17-year-old lad making a debut. Yeah, it's it's... 13 players rather than 11, isn't it? Or, or so, sort of 12 outfield rather than 10. You feel like you can make a difference. Lalana being back is a nice boost in the storage, a nice little surprise, really. It's funny because, you know, people were making noises as he played his last game for Liverpool and then suddenly he's, he, he might have a huge say in us qualifying for the top four. Let's hope so. He's, you know, he's an asset to, to Jan Klopp, at least till the end of the season now, which which is great news. And he's, as you say, good news for his teammates as well. You, you just hope it means they can, they can just pull a little more, more in from the off now and the, 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 the cap, there's a little bit of cavalry there. It'll just be... Just to see how he, I'm sure Sturridge will be on the bench, but Lalana will have a bit of decision to make on. Does he does he get him in there from the off because he's aware that you know the, in terms of creating chances we've we, we've been struggling a little bit recently, or, or does he try to hold him back knowing that there is four games left because it's not it's not kind of all or nothing on this game and whether the other results change his mind because he was talking in the press conference today about oh we can't worry about it at all and you know it's just manager speak really I'm sure it's getting in his head if it's if you know if both if both Manchester teams win over the weekend and, and is he suddenly thinking well, I need to roll the dice a little bit more than I wanted to um what would you do <laughs> uh, I'd start Alana uh, I'd leave Sturridge on the bench. Uh, we were talking in the break about uh, maybe doing, uh, you know, and you said with Sean had said about maybe putting him in the front three, and I think that's a good shout because I think Origi's been struggling a bit last few weeks. So there was better performances have come away from home. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, and so and so do, do you kind of think about that? I think he just still looks a little bit odd one out though, and I think Lalana, Coutinho, and Firmino have played well together as a three and. Origi's he's looked a little bit odd one out this season with 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 the others in terms of I think I don't know it's it's, it's just not it's not quite hard. you know even when he's he's been playing well it's sort of been like individual performance rather than as as a cohesive attacking unit I mean that depends how much cohesive attacking you think we're going to do in this game it might end up just being a bit of a battle anyway in which case Origi's a nice body for you it's a tough one really and you know there's no there's no kind of perfect solution it's not a team picks themselves because they're playing so well unfortunately. Yeah. I, I, I'm along similar lines. I um, I don't think Lallana is as effective in a front three anymore as he, as you would have thought he would have been a season ago. But I don't think it's the time to put him in midfield. I think he's more effective than Origi because no disrespect to Divock, um, but I'm I'm not convinced of what he offers us anymore. I just I just don't see what player he is on a consistent basis. I know you can go for that run. That's runway. bold after all due respect. <laughs> you know what I mean? You should have heard me if I was going for it. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I liked him end of last season. I thought he looked promising. I don't think he's taken the step up this season. I think you, you have that run where he scores five in five games, but he offered nothing else to the team across those five games, apart from the five goals, which I know is a stupid statement, but I'm the person who said I didn't like John Walker because all he did was score goals. Um <laughs> But I think Lalana is a more intelligent footballer. He's more likely to keep hold of the ball. Divock can be seen as a as a big figure, but he's, at the moment he's knocked off the ball too easily. Lalana will keep hold of it for us. It's funny because we've, we've we've talked there about the bench and about from an attacking point of view. 
he might just as much be thinking, well, I want Lucas for me last 20. So we're thinking, well, who does he want for the goal? But he might think, do you know what? I'll drop Lallana into midfield. So I've got Lallana, Shannon, Wijnaldum, and then that's pretty good. And then Lucas is the, is the, is the option there. So, you know, we, we, always, we always talk about substitutes, don't we, from a who do you want if we need a goal? But I'm sure the manager's thinking about it maybe. Oh, and sure then, well, do, do we want to, you know, do we want a big last 20 from someone and then offer Lucas on rather than, you know, having to give him 90 if, uh, if we're wanting a look? Well, I'm, that's I would st- I'd go the four three three. I'd go the four three three. I'd play Lallana in the midfield, and I'd I'd have Lucas on the bench. I'd play uh, Matip and Lovren if they're both fit. I'd go with. I'd almost just go with who's my first choice side. It's worth remembering. I, I sort of agree with you on. Um, I agree in general on the uh, the points around. Um, Uri looking a bit like the last one, the, the 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 one who's left out. But I think if there's the three of them there being creative together, yeah. and then you've got Origi to just be Origi, then I, I think you can make an argument that you know what, do that. Let him be a front man. Let him let him be a little almost go something like you could possibly even end up writing down as four two three one if you know what I mean, mm. and have your three lads who are all creative work together, and just have Divock there in case you know first ten if you want to go long, you want to go direct, you want to hit someone. I'd be I'd be tempted to do that. For me, you know, off a flank, the way in which they've been working it, and then almost say, you know what, these are our best players. And if yeah. you can get an hour out of Lallana, get an hour out of Lallana, and then you do the Lucas sub or the storage sub, depending on the situation I in the game. I think he's going to be keen as Mustard Lallana as well. He's the type of personality who'll feel like, he'll feel frustrated that he's missed the key part of the season and he'll have been watching that game at the weekend thinking, I've let the boys down here by not being out there, you know. Not that he has nothing to do about injuries, but that's, I think, how that, how he'll be feeling. He'll be thinking, oh, I should have been out there kind of helping. So he'll be frustrated that he's missed this part of the season. So I think he'll be keen as mustard to get out there and, and put in a big performance. So yeah, maybe just 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 let him go and then just see how long he lasts. And then maybe your, your, your sub comes from that. You know, you, you, is, it, is it a Lucas sub? Is it a storage sub? Depending on how the game's going. Yeah, well, that's the most easily swayed man on the planet. Yeah, yeah sound, all sounds good to me. Apart from John Walk, he's firm yeah, on that. No, yeah. I'm firm he hasn't on John changed Walk. his mind in 25 years, and no. he's not doing it now. No. It doesn't speak to him with all due respect. John Walk <laughs> gets no he respect. Didn't even get that. There's, there's a funny side, though, Ian, I think, Watford, because it, it, I, and it's back to my worry is that they play a bit dead. The, we, we, want a, we want a game with as much in it as possible. I actually think you want to see them do a little bit, but then you want to see Liverpool pull away from them. John mentioned before about their performances against uh, you know, their performance against Tottenham. The home wins haven't come against terrific teams, it's fair to say, but they've, they've been solid. I'm not going to go so far so you don't know what Watford you're going to get but there is a little bit in this for Liverpool where if they could just and again another reason I think to start Lallana and maybe Origi as well is if, he, if Liverpool can just get ahead in the game there's loads and loads of reasons for Watford and the, and, and the fans just to, just, to just go you know what it's Monday night but we're safe and it's all alright yeah I've not seen enough of Watford to really judge them this season in fact I think the only game I've watched them involved in was the one where we beat them 6-1 um, so I, I don't know a huge amount about them and I won't pretend to. I think the peril here is that if Watford are in that nice, safe position, they could perform the way Palace performed against us, where what we needed was a battle. We needed something where the other team were really involved and Palace were quite happy to sit there and go, do you know what? We'll just sit here for a while. We won't get involved. We're not going to kick you. We're not going to elbow you. We're not going to go long ball. We're not that bothered. Let's see what you do. I think that could be more perilous for us than a team that wants to fight against us. So... It could be difficult, and this could be another reason. Lallana is a player who can break down back fours. He, he, he can be that extra one. So, yeah, I am swayed very much to the idea of, OK, we'll have a 4 2 3 one, stick a Rigi up front to pick up the bits from people. Then. Uh, 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 they're, all good, they're all good ideas, these. If Jürgen wants to, you know, 
take all this on board. He's got bits and pieces. Make some notes. We, we, we can't say we haven't given plenty to work on there. Well, I'd, like, I'd like to think this sort of stuff gets kicked out at Melbourne, but you never know. <laughs> I, I, I just have this horrible feeling he's watching old tapes of John Walker, see if I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, he might, he, might, he might look at old tapes of John Walker. I Walk think he'd have liked John Walker. Do you think he'd have liked John Walker? Yeah, because he was, he was a big fella. Uh, put himself about a little bit. Um, Popped up. Kicked it hard. Putting uh, the back of the net didn't really do a great deal else. That, that doesn't sound like a Jürgen player to me, though. <laughs> I don't, but he's, 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 he's walking at six, though, isn't he? And I think he uh, he's heading corners away. We could do the six-footer in the midfield. Exactly. Yeah, I think, I think a lot of his heading corners away at the minute would also be nice. But I think, again, you can get too caught up on that, John. I think we haven't been... You know, you look at... It's it's more that the, the, the goals we concede from set... I think the issue isn't that we've conceded tons of goals from set pieces. It's that proportionally it's slightly high. But also the goals we concede from set pieces always look so bad. I think that's one of the reasons why it's in everyone's head. They look so, so bad. Yeah, it's 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 often a catalogue of mistakes and it's just It's not, not like it's a great ball, it's a great head and it's all undefendable. Yeah, it's it's a catalogue of mistakes and that was what it was um at the at the, in the last game at the weekend it was kind of Oh, oh, oh! That's going to get cleared near post. Then it doesn't, and everyone's just watch because they assume, and and you can't assume with these things because you know the strikers gambling, and that's what happened. Christy Mentehi went, well, I'll get in there just in case, and and just in case happened for him. And you know, every now and again, your mate's going to miss one, and you've got to be there to bail him out. And I think that's what frustrates me about watching Liverpool to defend is there's not not quite enough bailing out of the mates because people are going to make mistake. I'm not having the uh, you know the, our defenders particularly make more mistakes than anyone else. I just think when they do, it just seems to end up in a goal, and I don't think that's. I'm not saying it's bad. Look, I'm saying it's you know it's 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 understanding each other, it's it's bailing each other out, and it's staying alive. But it's, gam- think, it's gambling the worst possible thing that could happen might just happen. Yeah, yeah. But I think they did that at West Brom and Stoke, and so I think I think when they switched on and they get in that mindset, I think they can do it. It's just sometimes you know when you know Palace is at home, I think I think they struggle to get into that mindset when they're also in the one of and oh, we've got to break them down. These are two mindsets. They need to have two mindsets indeed. I think there's also an issue of are they just following instructions or are they thinking for themselves? Because for me. Again, the problem with Palace, Emery Chan appears to be Markham's only, but when his man moves, he's got no one to mark. I think he just, honestly, I think he just thinks it's going to get cleared. I think yeah. he, 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 lo- he loses his man. He did it against Everson. Yeah. He did it against Palace. And he has been a lot better for the last six weeks or so, but this time, those two corners specifically stick out in my mind because he loses his man both times, and both times... Both times that man is the man who sticks in the back of the net. I think it, I think the, with the Ben Tehe one, though, I think he stays with his man if it's a better corner. I think he just thinks, oh, I'll be fine. But then it's not. Indeed. Uh, all right, then, very quickly, get me. I'll get a prediction from you. Uh, Liverpool versus Watford, John Gibbons. Uh, I've talked myself into a 2 0 win. Okay, Ian. John's talked me into a 2 0 win. Before um, I even said that, I was talked into it. 2 uh, 0 indeed. That's what everyone's going with. Listen, thank you very much to everyone who's, be, who's, got, who's contributed this week to Sean. and John Walk. Never. A Joe. <laughs> John Walk, massive for us. Come back there. Uh, you know, he's, he's starred in both this show and Escape to Victory. Uh, thank you very much to everyone. We've had a lovely Friday. Have a great weekend. The Reds aren't playing. The Blues are, etc., etc. Satan's not. You know the drill, Biden. Sports Social Podcast Network.